0: Of studios in Dublin. Welcome to Motherfuck Lore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, words from Ireland. I'm Dara Gauthier.
1: Hi, I'm Tara Flynn. <laughs> That's right.
0: We have Tara Flynn with us today.
1: I couldn't resist jumping in on your intro.
0: <laughs> You're very welcome to. Tara, we are absolutely delighted to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: As you know, Tara is a comedian, writer, <laughs> singer, entertainer, and... Never does anything serious ever.
1: No, no, no serious things. Not again. Not anymore. Now I've had enough serious, serious talk in life.
0: Yeah, I think we. I think it's been it's been a serious year and now. It's time to get to get funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been a serious kind of three years. So, and it was taking me out of not only my comfort zone but out of the zone that I really should be in which Mm -hmm. is you know stay in your lane Flynn and the lane is a funny one Um, so when I started to get emails about Irish water and you know why I wasn't talking about homelessness enough and I was going oh I'm not an elected representative you've Mm -hmm. got the wrong end of the stick there but if you want me to write a joke about any of that I'm more than happy to help
0: (laughs) We, we we got one or two of those as well, I think, um, that um, I suppose people thought, well, I was, I was trying to say, I, I kind of make nerdy humour based on the Irish uh, the Irish language, and I'm sorry that because I, I made a joke at one politician that I didn't make a joke at every single politician
1: do you not know that you have to talk about if you mention a thing you have to mention all the things
0: I can't slag Prince Philip without also slagging Meghan Markle apparently
1: no you can't I slag you can't slag anyone um, or you have to slag everyone uh, yeah oh listen uh, yeah it's a it, it takes a lot of time mentioning things
0: mentioning stuff I mean <laughs> it, it's, it's a mugs game
1: it's a m- game for people with way too much time on their hands the mentioning <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a, a certain set of skills that people need to just be able to blather through stuff and <laughs> not actually get on the hook of things. But the important thing is that everything is fun now. Yes, life yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. How have you been?
1: I've been good, thank you. So I, I, you brought me here on the pretext. I was speaking about a particular personality.
0: Yes, well, I was just thinking that. I was thinking about unfairly maligned women. yeah. I yeah, of, I don't
1: think it's unfair at all. Go on, go on. I was on. thinking
0: about unfairly malign women and the first two thoughts I had were Tara Flynn and Peg Sayers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, uh, look, I'm very happy to inhabit the same space as Peg. That's you know, I, I mean, I would be thrilled mm-hmm. to to go down in in history as as someone who moaned a lot. That would be. Look, listen, I mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think Peg was maligned, but I have taken part in the maligning. So, you know, we have to evolve. You know, the way people are trolling through ten year old tweets now, looking for people, uh, yes. you know, who might have said a thing that they might no long not not any longer say, but they said the thing. I, I'm that with Peg. I've learned so much more about Peg in recent years. Um, um the fact that she, you know, she was, you know, she was she was a hot hot beat. She was she was hot and she was sexy mm. and um you know, but we didn't get that in school. And what you have to understand is, and I know you've dealt with this on the podcast before, the, the idea of, you know, oh Irish wasn't taught uh, you know the same way as friend we didn't have as much la 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 you yeah. know, fun crack stuff, you know, like talking about the post office. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but in the 80s, when things were already grim, mm-hmm. really grim, and we were being sold this, you know, pop of you need a job in Brussels. Not There's really nothing for you here. You'll need the French. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, you, there's no point even thinking about staying in Ireland. You'll have to go. So it was like the focus was on foreign languages. Yeah. And then I loved Irish. I did Honours Irish. I absolutely loved it. But as a teenager with all the other grimness around, the story of, you know, the height of the humour being laughing at a cow in a ditch, <laughs> I couldn't connect with Peg. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you know, constantly dying sons and, uh, you know, only the, the bit of sove to mark Christmas. It was just like when it wasn't too far off in the country at the time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was a lot of grimness. I hear she was a lot funnier, but that the funny stuff didn't make it into the version that we got taught in school. So I'm staying open on Peg now.
0: This is the thing. And I, and I know my father was, was from Kerry and I know you, you don't get a reputation. And Kerry is a great storyteller. Without being a really, really great storyteller, like I mean, yeah, you know, and funny, and I mean, Carrie, people who would be considered mediocre storytellers or about average would go <laughs> somewhere else when be considered outstanding storytellers.
1: Wow, you're a harsh crowd.
0: <laughs> and and then I thought, so how? And this, and Peg was regarded as the absolute great, greatest storyteller. So much so that people traveled said, "There's a really, really good storyteller in Carrie. You should go and listen to her." And and then the big thing is, I think that's a if.
1: And that was even before the Internet. Like, so if know, word spread, you know, you had to put effort into it.
0: Very. This is the thing. You, you it had to get big deal on up. Then the, one of the issues is I know my when my mom was in the audience of the live show, she very said it's, you know, there's the books that might be enjoyed by people at different points in their lives are necessarily the best books for teenagers. And you probably do find a lot of teenagers loved Kill a Mockingbird and Lord of the Flies and Roll of Thunder. Which maybe are quite suitable to um, to teenage audiences in school. That's so they're on the English curriculum. But Peg mightn't be the something that you connect with when you're seventeen years old.
1: Well, that's it. And that was it exactly. And it was like it wasn't that I didn't. I loved. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought at one point about maybe doing archaeology. I loved ruins, and I loved going visit. I loved Irish heritage. I loved history. I loved mythology. Uh, You couldn't keep me out of the library with getting out the mythology books. but it was like with Peg, it was like this was this was history given to me in a way that wasn't immediate in terms of I couldn't go and see it and touch it. And also it wasn't talking about anything that a 17 year old might like. And mm. um, so, you know, um, there wasn't even the court. She, she's a fine husband in it, but there's no courting. But I hear there was a lot of that. And if you saw Peg live, <laughs> if the live experience was lots of courting. And mm. and. Whew,
0: Oh, for sure, and, and
1: lifting of petticoats for non-mourning
0: reasons. And this is the other part that the book was because Peg, she would have learned to write in English, but she didn't write in Irish. Mm. The book was dictated to her son, mm-hmm. and I imagine that possibly awkward. T- you, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I would, <laughs> I would imagine if like if La Serena was taking dictation of my life story years <laughs> later, I probably would self-censor a bit. <laughs>
1: You might, you might. Ever so slightly. (laughs) But you see, that was the thing. It's like so, and I have it in my my book, the first book, Your Grand, which is actually out of print. But if you find it in a secondhand shop, you might, people might enjoy it. What it tries to do, what that book tries to do. And that's why I started writing about Peg at all. And that's when I reread Peg as an adult was research for that. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to just half remember things. I wanted to read it as an adult. So. Um, and I did get a lot more out of it. And it's like, you know, the hardship is very clear there. It's a beautiful, you know, what was an oral history set down. Um, so there's lots of value in it. But I did go, oh, my God, that they, you know, they tried to sell this to kids in the 80s. It was just not, you know, <laughs> we were all about the leg warmers. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely something that I, I enjoyed more as an adult and looking back. And uh, it's it's still, though, you know, I, I think there's a better way to, to reach kids or, or let them discover Peg when they're older, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I love her now. I do love her now. But the whole book was about subverting things with expectations. So it's a bit. So on the surface, people think, oh, it's, it's talking about Irish cliches. What I'm trying to do is subvert those cliches, oh, yeah. over accept them over accept the cliches of you know the, t- the cup of tea and the the brown cake and all that I'm trying to over accept those premises and, uh, and have a bit of fun at the expense and say look if Irish women the premises if Irish women can survive all this shit and all this cliche ridden nonsense anyone can so it's yeah. a spoof self-help book Peg is in there because I wanted to talk about the fact that boldness is something we all need and we uh, that we hear that Peg was bold but we don't see it that much in the book mm-hmm. and the only time she's bold she's mean like, like, <laughs> like it, again the afore, aforementioned cow in the ditch I was like, oh, she's like she's laughing at this cow and i laughing when i going down the road right Peg so I updated <laughs> Peg I did a, just a little passage that's a day in the life of modern Peg Mm-hmm. So all that research just for one passage. But, you know, I really enjoyed writing it. But I, I reckoned that Peg wouldn't take kindly to protests that she'd be like, haven't she plenty and you're not in a dungeon. So, <laughs> 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 because the woman had nothing and made a great fist of her life. So mm-hmm. um, I reckon she'd figure, you know, shut up, shut up. She'd probably, unfortunately, be one of those, uh, sure, yes, me too, has gone too far. Sure, look, were the petticoats made to be lifted? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that, you know, but honestly, those, so I think I think if she had grown up a little bit later, she would she would be on side. She would be uh, you know a massive a massive variety feminist. Yes, yeah, I think she would. But you know uh, you know different times. Um, but yeah, you know there's loads to be had in her. So from someone I suppose who doesn't consider myself a, a peg expert, a, a peg expert, if you will. Um, I, I reckon we've you know we have explored her a little bit, which is no harm. Yeah.
0: And her book passes the Bechdel test.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, so, yeah, of course, yeah, she had the best friend.
0: Mm-hmm. She did yeah, coach.
1: Yeah, coach. Went off to America. Everyone else was called coach at the time apart from Peg. So, um, this is a
0: I there was a big shortage of names back in the old days. There, there we, clearly was. <laughs> and I, one of the things I, I do if I, if sometimes I'm in, stuck in traffic or just, you know, one of my, one of my, internet vortexes is the CSO names database oh really yes basically they have data data on all the names from 1964 onwards and how they've risen and fallen in popularity it's fascinating what's particularly interesting is 1964 is the year after Vatican II when suddenly (sighs) priests weren't as strict on only giving saints names anymore yeah and you find say the name Mary is absolute number one Right up to about 1983 Interestingly What else, what else could have happened in 93 But then hmm. it started dropping dramatically Wow And then suddenly and you find some names that, that the name Sinead was really popular Until until Nothing Compares to You came out And then started dropping
1: Wow really
0: Yes for some reason It was it was like in the top five All through the 70s and 80s And in the 90s it just started to trickle off I guess it was off. there's
1: only one Sinead absolutely that's what happened then the, the
0: foot came down the cuss came yeah, down you just
1: and it's one of those one names now it's i think sinead, it's that's it that's, I, that's,
0: sinead. that's yeah, you know there's like yeah there's one sinead there's one mary lou and there's yeah and share and share and Canu. that's it um
1: yeah, yeah. so i so, I, mean, I remember in the 80s though so the Vatican II thing did happen and they were less strict on saints names, but I remember somebody wanting to call and I won't I won't give any identifiers, but somebody that we knew wanting to call their baby uh, after a flower, a particular yeah. flower, and they were told that that wasn't a saint's name and they, they were discouraged. Mm. That was in the 80s. So it's like, although Vatican II did remove that stipulation, it was still there in the parishes. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> and this is the
0: thing, an awful lot came down to the, the, the personality and the opinions of a local priest. That and was it.
1: it Depending on who you got, did you get a good one? And I scraped through I script mm.
0: through, Um too. Oh, a and interestingly, it's, it's just one of these happy coincidences. It's the Hindi word for star.
1: Yeah, that's right. I have uh, a tattoo of a star in my ankle because I am a walking cliche. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, I suppose I was trying to explore, you know, a more multicultural life than going, you know, a, a, a big hill in Meath. Um, but yeah, I got called Tara mm. because um, I was the first granddaughter on one side, the first grandchild on the other. And they thought there'd be sort of political shenanigans if I was named after Either grandmother. Ah, yes. So, um, so I got called. They, 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 looked in a baby book in 1969. They looked in a baby book. They, it was very progressive, if you think about it. Yeah. Um, looked in a baby book and they went, "Well, oh, Tara, you know, it's Celtic and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely Irish. It's short. It's easy to spell. And there you go. But my name was going to be John. Other
0: than that, yeah. Ooh. Mm. If you're, if you're, you know, yeah. Yeah. Boy, I was going to be Africa. I was born a girl. Oh, you were? Yeah, I was. I was, was down. Africa was the was top girl's name, but uh, my my mama only had boys, so uh, she never got to try out any of the the, her, the girls' names she liked. Aww. I like Africa's a name.
1: Africa is a very cool name. Yeah, I love it.
0: Mm. I love it hey i'm alan mcguire and i'm anton we are two of the three co-hosts of a podcast called juvenalia our third co-host sarah Marie griffin is not here juvenalia is a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a piece of pop culture that they were obsessed with when they were a child so if you want to hear sarah from tegan and sarah talking about madonna's true to the or hear about maria doyle kennedy and why her favorite film is the wizard of oz or hear carolina Dunhu talking about fraser and subscribe to us on any podcast app you might be listening to right now okay See that's the ad bye everybody thank you bye Speaking of more Irish stuff, uh, your, would you say it was your big break, the Morbegs?
1: I don't know if I've had my big break yet, Dara. I'm still <laughs> waiting. I want stadium tours, you know what I mean? Of course. So I'm still, oh, listen, this, you know, constant, uh, constantly having to dredge up and create my own work <laughs> and pray that someone will, will take it mm-hmm. is uh, is not enough. It's just not enough. I'm very grateful for everyone who's bought the, the book out that's out and everything. Mm. Thank you, everybody. But yeah, so my big break, yes, probably it was. Well, actually, no, no, it was my second job in television. So, um, yeah, it was my second job. So, yeah, uh, I first did a puppet show called Remini Riddle. But the one that people would know is Morbex. So, yeah, Mm. I was Molly Morbeg, uh, which I'm going to pause for a second while people take that in. I was Molly Morbeg and people lose their when I say that.
0: This is when Brian's going to insert an appropriate clip from the Morbex. Okay, we'll pause for that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Stop! Stop! Oh, fingers in tenge, shoulders in
0: sinai. What? Misha, Misha, vuik, Misha. What? <laughs> snap! 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 Just like a crocodile.
1: <laughs> and that was more. Big. Um, <laughs> um, that brought back a lot of memories. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a strange gig because there were so many they needed a lot of episodes because it was to go out five times a week. It was only 10 minutes, but five times a week that it was going to go out. So we needed two teams because for the people in this, actually in the suits, it was really grueling work. Yeah, Incredibly physical. They were all dancers. They were all trained dancers. So they were all in the suits and then myself and another voice actor, there were two different teams. So there was something like uh, two mollies and two Rosses, and then I think you know different cast at different times. So maybe there were three Rosses and two mollies over time. Myself and a oh. girl called Magella, um, were um we were the uh the two mollies, and uh yeah. So what we we all had to do was try and sync our voices. So we did loads of workshops before, so that we'd all speak the same way. The whole idea was that even though I think Magella was from Drogheda, I think, and I was from I'm from Kinsale, and then the Rosses we had to be the Dublin accent. Oh, we had to be sort of a kind of a not too posh, but sort of a middle class Dublin accent. And -hmm. then Rasa was rural. Rasa was from Cork. People don't remember that, that they had two different accents. They weren't brother and sister. You see, they were friends.
0: Oh, they're just pals. They're just
1: pals. Yeah, very close, very close friends. No truth to the rumors, and um, <laughs> very close friends, um, who enjoyed doing everything together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they, yeah, they. So, so yeah, Molly and Rasa. Um, so Molly spoke like this, and so Magella and I tried to make our voices the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, we had to. We had to standardise the Irish the same as well. Okay. So we had, it was Gabriel Rosenstock, I believe, who came in and sort of gave us the sort of, the, OK, this is how, this this would be Leinster Irish, this would be Munster Irish, and this Ooh. is how you pronounce these particular things. <coughs> so that the Irish was correct to the accent as well.
0: Fantastic. That's probably something a lot of people don't know.
1: A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't just standing up and reading things out. No. There was a lot of work went into it.
0: So tell us about how the uh, the Irish content was included in the Morbags, Because obviously Morbag itself...
1: More pyg uh yeah big small so the morbegs were very big creatures given that they were supposed to be little kids so they were ready for learning and they came to our realm mm-hmm. um, you know people often ask was it a planet was it you know was it another dimension who can say they were they were not of our not of our realm. sphere yeah sphere yes they were not of our sphere so molly and rossa came and they were supposed to learn everything they could so that they go, could go back with the knowledge to save the growing tree the growing tree was dying, and if the growing tree dies, then all Morbegs die. It's bleak. Oh. So Molly and Rasa were, you know, pioneers really for the whole Morbeg people. Mm. Um, they tried to share Morbeg culture, but they didn't share that many Morbeg tricks or or secrets. They more learned about our tricks and secrets, and um, and it was uh, yeah, the the Irish content was. Molly and Ross already had a bit of Irish but they enjoyed learning a bit more as well and they would be more content in certain episodes but I think the baseline had to be sort of roughly a third Irish in the script it was only a 10 minute script and there were Inserts like of kids playing or going to the zoo, mm. or you know, it wouldn't be an RTE kids show unless there was footage of the zoo. Yes, um, like every single Bosco ever through the magic door was always the
0: zoo. Well, they just called a zoo door, you know. I mean, yeah, the,
1: the <laughs> zoo.
0: Um.
1: So, but there was so between the wizards, the magicians, who were the people that the Morbigs lived with in the castle, mm. um, and the begs themselves, the content had to be sort of roughly a third Irish, even if it was an Eintach <laughs> or Haravewa. <laughs> <laughs> even if it was just a little exclamation it was just about making sure that whoever was watching was getting a little bit of Irish and even if they didn't speak, even, though, even if their families didn't speak Irish, they'd be picking it up
0: and this is the thing that people actually do find that some of these things actually worked very well in terms of the way uh, children's television that introduces vocabulary often they say "Let's if we can, Sesame Street and Dora they say let's just make sure that whoever watches this episode comes away with two or three words yeah, and abierto then, cerrado <laughs> abierto I, Cerrado. Cerrado. Yeah, that was
1: Sesame Street. All my Spanish is from Sesame Street.
0: Well, um, sometimes La Serena <laughs> watches a bit of Dora. Yes, that's when you get that and you know, so they've, we, there's a there's a fox in it called Swiper. And he's always swiping things.
1: That's a good name for him then.
0: And yeah, but at the, at the same time, I think it's it's a, it's a bit kind of um, <laughs> he's kind of marked down the fact that he's like, if, if anything ever gets swiped, like he's never going to get a fair trial.
1: No. No, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, don't let him near Tinder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, god, just yes, Is
1: he lucky in love, or
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> or is he that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's certainly um. But it's 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 an it's interesting that they've chosen to take this model of of saying that's you know the, the children will watch these things over and over again. Anything that's for children is for repeat watching. Yeah. And maybe then, yes, you build vocabulary one or two words at a time. And if you're watching a different episode every day for three or four weeks, then those words will gradually add they up. They do.
1: That's, that was the hope. And it was actually, the model was Sesame Street. So even though it was a 10 mm-hmm. minute episode, the idea was that <clears> the, all, the, all the live action takes place in a particular place, which is the home space. Yeah. So like the street on Sesame Street, so it's the castle. Um, and then there would be inserts. Inserts that might be they might be imported. A lot of them were Irish made. So they were animations or um or just little fun fun things like um you know more puppet related content. <laughs> 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 A lot of felt involved in children's television. Yes. Um. But it was it. But it was there would always always be uh, an educational bit. So it'd be some. Sometimes they were based on maths or or physics or problem solving in some way. So yeah, there was the mo- Morbigs was trying to get learning in. So it wasn't just entertainment, but it was also hopefully entertaining. There were loads of silly songs repeated at the beginning and at the end. Uh, Let's sing the song again. And <laughs> um, there's all that stuff, which is great for smallies. And uh, and one of the really fun things was was meeting the smallies. They come into the studio and that was just the best crack, just watching them with the lads. <laughs> I was
0: accused of making the word smallie up, but it seems I think it's a conceal especially conceal expression or cork expression. What is general. it, do you think? Maybe. I, I I've know. heard it from yourself. Yeah. Maeve Higgins all right. and our mutual friend Noel who's yeah. also a Conseil, <laughs> and the three of you all would say smallies oh, I
1: say smallies yeah I d- I'd never thought about where it came from I th- I've always
0: considered it, and I, I was aware of it being Cork in general but it's particularly consale and I was accused of making it up
1: oh really on,
0: on the internet
1: oh, now I'm worried that when I say smallies people think I'm maybe talking about underwear or something in some kind of euphemism <laughs> no, no 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 smallies no, are children I really like talking to smallies what oh god
0: because <laughs> I just it's one of my favourite Hiberno-English expressions and I use it all the time Myself, when I'm referring to small children, smallies. This is brilliant. Oh, it's I just, love it. Yeah.
1: And you know exactly what you mean. You know, somewhere between toddler and like seven, where they start to get a bit of sense. Yeah. It's like smallies. Yeah. Yeah. They, they will ask you all the good questions. Or like, uh, you know, my friend Tiernan Duyab does a um, uh, comedy club for kids and the best heckles or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then there's a chat, a chat ensues. And uh, yeah, smallies are brilliant for that.
0: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you put,
1: you're drinking from your head stuff mug.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, hydration yeah, I'm break. Indeed. I'm drinking from my head stuff mug at the moment because I'm that on brand.
1: <laughs> you're so on brand.
0: It's on. <laughs> Speaking of head stuff. Yeah. Do you have any nooks for us? No scale at all. Scale
1: byg, no scale. More scale. More bug. <laughs> um, I have. Yeah, we we're doing a podcast. <gasps> Oh, no. Yeah, we, we oh, shall, yes. We'll have to fight. You and I will have to fight on the street. Tell me. No, it's part you're- of going to be part of the podcast family, I hope. Um, or certainly jumping off from there. Because um, I've loved working with Head Stuff, And obviously, the, the book I have out at the moment, Rage In, is from the Head Stuff blogs I used to write every week um, called Rage In, funnily enough. Um, and we're going to sort of move on from there. Because even as the book explores, it was meant to be satirical rage. Like, what am I angriest about this week? Yeah and as the book was getting was going on cuz it was weekly as the pieces rather each week were going on um even satirical rage wasn't cutting it anymore it just felt like adding fuel you know adding petrol to the fire yeah um that laughing about donald trump or brexit or laughing about you know uh, you know people people laughing at things being too pc that <sighs> that it didn't help anymore because people in the real world were getting harmed or suffering real hardship. So it seemed, it felt too glib to be even doing satirical rage about it. So the book is written and, you know, the quest for empathy is what it turned out to be. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a podcast called Random Acts. So it'll be different every week and it'll be the antithesis to rage. It'll be crack. It'll be warmth. It'll be, you know, if, if if I have a guest on, we'll be able to talk about more serious stuff if we like. But there'll always be room for a little bit of light lightness because yeah. you can't have, you know, shade without light. And it seems like kindness has been weaponized a little bit, particularly online. And I find that I I just that really saddens me. So rather than talk about it or be another commentator out there going, well, this is what's happening. I'd rather try and create an antidote. Mm -hmm. So it'll hopefully be an antidote. So sometimes I'll just be rabbiting away to myself in my house with my dog. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'll be interviewing people. um, And sometimes I'll have a more structured episode. I'll we'll speak about something specific, but it'll be like the weekly blog that we had that was written, it'll just be me voicing it. So, you'll get a bit more. I think tone gets lost so much on the internet,
0: yes. And this is a big thing. And this is when something people, when people are giving out emojis, they don't realize actually yeah. that how critical these are for tone. Sometimes mm-hmm. they can be very passive aggressive, but I found that between uh, between emoji and gifs, I'm never going to say gifs, just not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true for the geostrophographic, so it's. Go. I'm with and you. I, you so, go. It was a big thing for me that I uh, suppose was, was to yes establish a cosy tone that that if some people a person who only had a very minimum interest in Irish would say, Well, the, the GIF game might be is is effective here and then gradually they would learn the Irish without even realizing but, it. Yeah,
1: slide it in gif form.
0: Snake it in.
1: Snake it in. Shlony <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: slide it in there <laughs> sorry I can't this is the problem and this is yes. I, I use, my nickname used to be Filthy Flynn with the people who knew me best because I can't I can't resist an innuendo and I can't you know when things were getting so serious there with the, all the campaigning and things you can't include all that. But that is part of who I am. And I really mm. want people to get the fil- the filthy side. And of course, uh, you know, I used to have this uh, parody Twitter account called Um And there will be a Flinspirational quote in every episode. I think that's very important to mm. have some Flinspiration, um, i.e., absolute nonsense. Um, <laughs> but that we, you know, so we do take the piss a little bit. And so it's not, never taken too, taking ourselves too seriously. It's really important. Part of the problem, I think, with the whole campaigning malarkey was that people took me too seriously. Yeah. Um. Which I've, you know, I don't do. I'm kind of incapable of it. I had to rein in certain aspects of humor in certain contexts. Yeah. But uh, we get to put all those back in now, which is fantastic. How I, can I use? Can I use your? Can I use your podcast as a platform, please? Of course. So I deleted my Twitter account. I archived everything, like you do. You know, you download the archive and then I deleted it. Deleted it. Haven't looked back. I've gone on for a lurk every now and again because I had this whole, I'd been sold again, you know, that whole idea of you need it for news. And I was going, oh, I'm not getting enough news. And, you know, I had a lurk and went, oh, Mm. my God, this is really creepy and weird. When I had a bit of time away from it, I was like, this is such a strange place. Yeah. So I'm doing fine without it. It may affect my work because it was a way of reaching people. But I'm hoping that we can reach people in an old school way through word of mouth like Peg. Yeah. Like Peg, she's my business model. Oh, my God, thank you, Derek, for having me on today. She's the business model for the podcast. But what is people have been writing to me saying, I hope you get out of Twitter jail soon. I'm like, I'm not in Twitter jail. And then somebody said to me, what's coming up when you put in my name, my old handle uh, is um, this uh, uh, this this account is restricted or something. Not this page doesn't exist, but this account is restricted. Well. So to set the records straight, I've never been banned from Twitter. I never did anything that that violated their terms. I'm not in Twitter jail. I don't know why. So there, there's some glitch, but it's I've gone past that thirty days now, so I can't ever reactivate that account. It's gone. But so Tara Flynn IRL on Instagram, it's all kittens. And, you know, fun, fun times, you know, you are know, my best self, you know, all that. I'm not going to show you the depressing bits some people go, oh, you yeah. realize that people are only showing you that cool, fun stuff and their lovely baby pics because they don't want to share their grim days with yeah. the world. And I think it's not just about curating something false, although, you know, with the f- sort of fitness craze and all that, I think that can be a little bit, a little bit dangerous. But when people show you them smiling or yeah. them with their friends it's not that they're being false. What they're doing is they're saying, "Hey, I don't want to depress you with my crap."
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think I always think of the sound of sil- silence by or, uh, Simon Garfunkel. The fact that it was literally the sound of silence was about people turning off their radios during Vietnam. Yeah, and sometimes yes, that that while you are hearing silence, what the, the what the silence isn't is very significant. And yeah. I find sometimes when I've spoken to some people who have a very strong either. Internet product of some sort, or or, the, or their internet identity, and sometimes when it 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 is officially it, it's something that's extremely cuddly and cute and fluffy, but then you realize actually this was they composed some of this work during a really really dark point. Yeah. And I know when the when the Donald Trump election results are coming in, I just tweeted uh, pictures of fluffy animals and yeah, the Irish names for them because slagging him today just draws attention to my own weakness. And yeah, and
1: it's not funny. That's the other thing. It's not funny. I find that people still slagging Trump and all of that. There are people who are never going to be affected. And they're the same. They're often the same people who are like, "We got to hear everyone out." No, some ideas are bad ideas. Yeah. Some ideas are about taking other people's rights away, and so you know, stop trying to pretend it's about free speech because you know it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the free speech to say that's a bad idea. Yeah. And I don't want to contribute to it. So that's what I'll be hoping to do is not contribute to it. But yeah, never been in Twitter jail. Not in Twitter jail. Deleted my account. Never coming back. So if you want you know bunnies and friends yeah yay at Tara Flynn IRL on Instagram hooray <laughs> <Canini
0: aguskardia.
1: laughs> maybe that's what I'll call the podcast
0: oh it's a great name <laughs> Tara Flynn thank you so much and for those of you at home Rage In published by Headstuff yep Woo-hoo. is available now in the bookshops
1: thank you for having me
0: my absolute pleasure go home I'll about it anytime <laughs> and so until the next time it's lawn from me
1: oh and it's lawn from me
0: Catch you next time. Hey, Derek here. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. We put out a new show every week. Please do like and review our show on iTunes or wherever else you do get your podcast. It seems to be like a great way for the show to appear and suggestions for the people. And it's a great way for improving chart position. For some reason, I don't know how that works. It just does. So that'll be much appreciated. And do tell your friends. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Head Stuff Podcast Network. If you are looking for any other podcasts at the moment, Head Stuff do a range of shows you might enjoy. Dublin or Fair Game, which is about sport. Thanks to Brian for producing. Thanks to Kirsten Scheel for doing the artwork. If you wish to contact the show, you can get us at motherfuckloreheadstuff.org on the email or at motherfucklore or the at the Irish Four on Twitter. We look forward to receiving your views, and we will include them in our next mailbag episode. Until next time, Slon. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. But a full
1: sentence Just in a, the past yeah. tense. Yeah. Jesus I Christ! I mean, if, if you actually, she's a linguist's daughter. <laughs>
0: It's whole different kettle of fish altogether. Yeah. Yeah.